Well, great to see all you uh, young people again. I remember uh, some of you the last time I was here, about uh, a month ago. And uh, I don't know whether I actually said last month where uh, I originally come from, where I was born and where I lived when I was young. Did I say anything about that or not? Or maybe some of you can guess just from hearing me where I come from. I don't come from Cottenham or Histon, but somewhere else, a bit further away. Anybody be able to guess from listening to me? People, it doesn't matter if you get it wrong, because people guess all kinds of different things when they hear me speak. Yeah. Scotland got it right first time, because some people say America, and some people say Canada, and some people say Ireland, but you were absolutely right. uh, And we're going to show a slide in a moment, I think, of um, somewhere where I lived in Scotland. There we are. Uh, This isn't actually where I was born. I was born in a town called Wick, which is just about as far up to the top of Scotland as you can get before you drop off the edge. You don't really drop off the edge, but um, it sometimes feels like that because you're so far away from other people. And then for a while I lived up in the Shetland Islands, which is not part of the main bit of Britain, but is uh, much further up, actually, islands. Then I moved south to this town uh, called Nairn, which is near Inverness. Maybe some of you can picture where the Loch Ness is. You've heard of the Loch Ness Monster, which I uh, was not the Loch Ness Monster or ever saw the Loch Ness Monster, but um, I did live near there, and it was this town called Nairn. And I'm just going to tell you something about what happened to me when I lived there, because I lived there during the time when I was at secondary school. And uh, this is the town, this is the river Nairn, and it's this bridge that I'm going to talk to you about, because this bridge is quite important in uh, one thing that happened to me in my life, which was I had a group of friends, this was when we were about probably 12 or 13, And we like to go exploring and to do things uh, that involved uh, daring uh, each other what were we going to do. And one of the dares was, when we reached this bridge up the River Nairn, uh, was to climb down the outside of the bridge so that we could get down to the river on the outside. Now, this turned out uh, to be a little bit more difficult than we thought And uh, I hope that none of you get into this kind of situation that I was in because I started to get down the outside of the bridge and then I fell. And it's actually quite a long way. And I didn't fall into the water, but I fell onto rocks. And uh, I've still got uh, some cuts and things here and there and there uh, from that fall. So it was really quite serious. There was a lot of blood and all that. Anyway, what do you think happened when I got home, when my friends uh, took me home? And it doesn't matter if you're wrong about this, because all kinds of things could have happened. Uh, But um, I wonder, yeah. (laughs) Well, that's a very good answer, uh, which is, if you didn't hear it, that my mum was very cross. And that's what I was expecting. But actually... My mum wasn't cross because I was so upset myself about having been so stupid. And I think she realised that if she had been cross with me, it would have only made me feel even more stupid than I was and bad and so on. 
So I really remember that my mum didn't react the way I expected. I was expecting that it would be what you said, uh, but it wasn't. And as I think back on that, I think of my mum as a bit like God when we do the things that are stupid and wrong, and we realize we've done them. Have you ever done anything like that? Or are you all, none of you have been as bad as I was, probably. But maybe occasionally something? You can't think of anything. <laughs> no, no, no. I wish I, wish I was like you. <laughs> but that's good. And um, so probably for some people at various stages in life, there are things that we do that we know are wrong. And if we come to God and we really admit that we've done wrong, God isn't there to tell us off. That's the wonderful thing about who God is. He's not there just to say, yeah, you did wrong, and now I'm going to tell you how wrong you were. Now, if we don't admit that we've done things wrong, then God does have to tell us, because we don't realize it. And then he has to tell us the things we've done wrong. But when we come and we say, I know that I was actually very stupid sometimes, or I did the thing that I knew I shouldn't have done, then God says, I'm the one who's there to comfort you, just like my mom comforted me when I came home. Uh, So God, as we sang in that song, is the God who comforts us, who looks after us. And I really hope you remember that. That's who God is. He's not there to tell you off, but he's there to show you his love. He's a great God, and he's with us always. And we're going to sing uh, a song that talks about who God is, and uh, thanks to the musicians for preparing uh, for these songs this morning.
That was great enthusiasm there, wasn't there? Thank you very much. Let's pray for you now as you go out to your groups. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do love us and you care for us and you are the one who holds us in your hands. And we pray for all the younger people in our church here and thank you for them. Bless them now and those who teach them and lead them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Now, Janice is going to lead us in our prayers. Shall we pray together? As the deer longs for flowing streams, so our souls long for you, O Lord. Teach us, Father, to seek first you and your kingdom. We thank you for the church here, for the families, for the variety of nationalities, and the people of all ages. May the fellowship show forth your kingdom, your values, your character, and your love. In the fellowship here, we pray for Gladys, who sits behind, that you'd bless her there. Pray for Merv and the health issues that are there. We thank you for the premises here and pray for wisdom in keeping them up pleasant and suitable for purpose. We pray for all the groups, meetings and activities that take place. Bless them all, we pray, with your presence and grace. We pray for all efforts at outreach here and in the surrounding villages and pray that a needy society will hear and notice good news. We remember Kate and the family. Thank you for the children and we pray that you'll bless Kate with the leadership and vision that she needs for the job. In our nation, Lord, we pray for decisions made, that these be fair and reasonable for all. In the world, we pray for peace and respect between the nations and areas, and we pray for the world leaders to operate with proper concerns. Father, in this run-up now quite quickly to Christmas, help us all to distinguish between what is right and good and what is unreasonable commercial pressure. May the peace of Jesus fill us, the love of Jesus surround us, and the presence of Jesus guard us throughout our life. Uh, so today in the uh, services here, the Sunday uh, morning series of services, we're starting a, a new series, and this is in the prophet Isaiah. And one of the things uh, that is very clear when you read the prophet Isaiah is the different experiences uh, that God's people go through that Isaiah uh, speaks about. And some of these experiences are uh, times of blessing, but some of them are very hard times. And uh, that is not something that we should uh, be afraid to reckon with in uh, our own lives and the lives of our communities. And so uh, before we have the reading, uh, we're going to sing a song uh, that talks about how uh, we continue to worship God and to be aware of God in whatever experience we're going through. Um, there are two readings um, this morning. Both of them are from the book of Isaiah. Uh, the first one is Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 
to 9. Isaiah 1, verses 1 to 9. The vision according to Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear me, you heavens, listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord, they have spurned the Holy One of Israel, and turned their backs on him. Why should you be beaten any more? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with olive oil. Your country is desolate, your cities burned with fire, your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you, laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. Daughter Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a cucumber field, like a city under siege. Unless the Lord Almighty has left us some survivors had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. And the second reading is from Isaiah 40, also the first nine verses. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, What shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. And as we thank God for his word, we pray for blessing as we study it together. I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts will be acceptable in your sight our King and our Redeemer. Amen. So in the all-age part, I was um, mentioning one incident from my boyhood and uh, another that is a very different kind of uh, thing that I remember from when I was young was that um, I was encouraged to memorize parts of the Bible. This was... um, when I would go to Sunday school, which was not every week because we didn't live near uh, a church, but when I got there, uh, this was one of the things that was uh, 
uh, encouraged that we should try to learn some verses. And then to stand at the front and to recite these verses. And one of them was from Isaiah. And I still kind of remember in my uh, distant memory um, giving this part of Isaiah to a group of people, a kind of audience. Uh, From Isaiah 55, Ho, in the uh, authorized version of the time, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that has no money, come ye buy and eat, and so on. Uh, I had apparently quite a good memory, uh, so I could go on. Uh, So I go back quite a long way uh, with uh, the prophet Isaiah. It is an amazing prophecy uh, in terms of all the books of the Bible. I think it is one of uh, the most wonderful books, certainly, in the Old Testament. Uh, There are messages of judgment, as uh, we see. There are also great visions of comfort and of hope. Indeed, some people have called Isaiah something like the fifth gospel, uh, the four gospels in the New Testament. But here we have another book that speaks so much about the coming of Jesus before he came. The gospels record uh, what happened when he came. But here's a prophecy uh, that speaks so much about the one who was to come. And uh, it seems as if the prophecies begin uh, in the year 739 BC. It's certainly in the year that King Uzziah died, that prophecies begin. And uh, the first part of the book is really about uh, the sad state of the nation of Israel. And uh, this applied to the different parts of the nation of Israel. But the second part, and people have looked at Isaiah and recognized two different parts, chapters 1 to 39 and chapters 40 to 66. Uh, The second part is the one where we get the message of comfort and of hope. Some people have referred to 1st Isaiah and 2nd Isaiah. Uh, But for us today, I'm going to speak about Isaiah. Uh, And uh, the the beginning of the first chapter is a vision, the vision of Isaiah, son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And it's a message that invites us and invites the people at the time to listen. Hear, listen, let's pay attention. For the Lord has spoken. And I find that good for us to remember when we're together in worship. This is a time, of course all times are times when God can speak, but especially when we come to his word and we listen together, this is a time to hear what he has to say. And what he had to say to the people of Israel uh, in this first chapter of Isaiah uh, was really uh, a message of warning, warning that they had gone away from him. My people, I nourished you, I brought you up, and you've rebelled against me. And this is the cause of many other problems. And as we think about this today, and we think about Uh, our own nations and our own communities, we realize that we're not free from problems, are we? Some of these problems are really big problems. And people are asking why things happen. And the message of the Bible is that at the root of this is a relationship that has gone wrong, a relationship between God and his people that should be 
uh, a relationship in which uh, there is a two-way communication going on. Not just God speaking, but us responding. And when that goes wrong, when that's lost, then all sorts of other things get lost. And so God uh, is speaking sadly, really, to his people about the fact that he nourished them and brought them up and they have rebelled against him. Perhaps we might think, those of us who are a bit older, uh, about memories that we might have. I think of uh, the north of Scotland and a time in the life of the Scottish nation when uh, worship was very much something that people did. And the decline of that has been quite staggering, actually, even in my lifetime. And you might think of other places. For example, Wales, a century ago, a time of great revival, uh, and much of that now having disappeared. And so when we think about a message like this, we might think, isn't God being a bit harsh? Isn't he uh, the kind of God who is different from what I spoke about in the all-age part of the service. But actually, he's a God who is longing for that relationship to be restored. And sin is not primarily about lots of very evil things that people do. Sin is about the loss of a relationship with God. That's the heart of what the Bible means by sin. And so we are being asked this morning to think about our relationship. And we'll just put up the the slide um, here, uh, which you might think has nothing to do with Isaiah whatsoever, and in some ways perhaps you would be right. Uh, But it's certainly a story of relationship, isn't it? Uh, And uh, on uh, your left-hand side, uh, there, a very uh, famous portrait of the prodigal son. And uh, the book that has been written that is perhaps the most famous book about this by Henri Nouan, uh, The Return of the Prodigal, and other uh, ways in which this has been portrayed in art. Uh, The one on the left, of course, your left, is the Rembrandt painting. But this is a story about a broken relationship, isn't it? And I think it has echoes that go back into the Old Testament, because in the Old Testament... Israel, God's people, is spoken of as a son. It's like uh, a whole group of people that are referred to as if they were one person, as if they were uh, a son. And so when Jesus told this very well-known story in Luke chapter 15, we often think of it as just referring to one person. There might be one person who wanders away, who goes away from their home or goes away from their faith, Uh, And uh, we think about how it's possible for one person to come back. But actually, Jesus was often referring to the whole community when he told his stories, not just the one person. Of course, each person is important, but a whole community can lose its way. And I think it's very possible uh, that when Jesus told this story, it's the same as what Isaiah was saying. A whole people has lost its way. A whole people has Uh, found another way that is not God's way. And so we might want to ask ourselves how we are as individuals this morning, but we might also want to say, how can we speak something to the life of our communities, to the life of Cottenham, to the life of our nation? And I found often uh, talking about this particular story, the prodigal son, uh, when I 
uh, have the opportunity sometimes in my work as a hospital chaplain in Addenbrooke's uh, to talk to people who actually want to reflect on their lives and the decisions they've made and where that has taken them in their lives. This is one of the great stories to go back to, as would be to Isaiah, but at least with the prodigal son there's some kind of uh, awareness of this story still in our uh, wider society, uh, that we can come back and that God wants us to come back and that he welcomes us back. We'll come on to that uh, in a moment. But uh, this has been a great theme throughout the story of the church. It's there in Isaiah. It's there in the New Testament. It's there in people like St. Augustine uh, from North Africa in the 4th century who said this, You, God, have made us for yourself, made us for a relationship with you. That's when we're at our very best, when we're walking in relationship with God. And our hearts, said Augustine, are restless until they find their rest in you. We're not ourselves until we're found in relationship with God. And as Isaiah goes on further, he says, even the animals know about relationship. The ox knows his owner. The donkey knows who is caring for the donkey. But Israel has lost that basic awareness of who they are and their relationship with God. And he says, because of this, there's injury. The head is injured. The heart is afflicted. Because of this, communities are not what they should be. The country is desolate. It's a hard picture that is painted in these first verses of the prophecy of Isaiah. And in the end, it's as if only a few people remember who God is. In the last verse that Uh, we read together. Uh, It talks about some survivors. And sometimes that can be rather discouraging, can't it? When we feel, how many people are still left who are in relationship with God, who really want to follow God's ways? But what Isaiah is saying is, there's always hope. As long as there are some people, then there is still hope. And that takes us on uh, to the second part of our reading for today to Isaiah 40. And I particularly wanted to put these two together because both of these open these big sections of the book of Isaiah, opening in chapter 1 and opening in chapter 40. And chapter 40 uh, begins with this great theme of comfort, of God wanting to embrace people, not now threats Uh, of what is going to happen if they go away from God, but a real turning around. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly. God is still speaking, but he's speaking uh, in words that are tender and that are loving because they have suffered. They've been taken into exile. This is what's uh, 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 the background when we come to chapter 40 of Isaiah. They have been taken into exile. And so here in the exile, in the desert, when they're far away from where they want to be in Jerusalem, still God is with them. God is speaking to them. And that's a big lesson, that it doesn't really matter how far we've gone away, God is still there. And that was the story, wasn't it, of the prodigal son, who'd gone a very far distance, physically and also in terms of his lifestyle so far away that he wished he could eat 
the food that pigs were eating. You couldn't get any lower than that uh, in your thinking as a Jewish person. Uh, and so, a long way away from God, and yet God is still there, because God is going after us and seeking us and speaking to us in his love. And so this voice uh, is calling out in the desert, in the wilderness, in the place that is far away. We still want to hear what God is saying even there. And what he is saying is things are going to change. Every valley shall be. I was going to say shall be exalted. Every valley. You know, it's just kind of going around in your head a bit, isn't it, when you uh, read these verses. Um, But what he's saying is, things are going to change. The valleys shall be raised up. The mountains and the hills will be made low. And a highway will be there for God. And it's a tremendous picture. Uh, He's probably referring, Isaiah, to the great highways of the time, because in the Middle East there were uh, these trade routes, uh, the highway that went uh, from Egypt right through to Syria today. Uh, and uh, this past week, Janice and I were uh, in Rome. I was speaking at a conference, and we were able to re- look around the city. And uh, it's just so full of this idea of the roads. Uh, you know, all roads lead to Rome, but actually, literally, all these great Uh, roads that are there and the picture is of God who is coming down the highway he is coming to meet us but the invitation of Isaiah 40 I think is are we also on the road so God comes he takes the initiative he's coming down the road but are we also on the road are we like the prodigal son taking the road back to him if we've gone away from him Are we listening to his invitation, to his love? And these people in their exile, and some people have said today this is particularly a message for us in the church. They they felt far away. uh, And sometimes in our working lives, in our uh, lives with other people, it seems as if we're far away from where the society is today. And they felt far away. But we're actually not far away from God. And so the people in this time of exile were being reminded by Isaiah uh, that God was with them and that his glory was going to be seen wherever they were. And what we read in Isaiah 40 is that God is saying to them, look, things are changing, but all people are like grass and their glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower falls, Things don't last forever, but the word of God stands forever. And I think we need to just take this message uh, today, that in a time when, as God's people, we can look back, some of us, and think, were there better days? Or we can look at the present and say, we don't really know what's going on, what's God doing. Let's take this word of assurance. The word of God stands forever. Forever, And let's recognize that God calls us, whatever stage in life we're at, whether we're young, whether we're older, God calls us to take his word seriously and to be faithful to him in the situation in which he's placed us. We're going to sing in a moment uh, our final song. It's a song that, uh, hymn that comes from 
St. Patrick, or at least is attributed to St. Patrick, uh, Be Thou My Vision. And as I think about that, I think about how Patrick, way back in the 4th century, uh, was called to go to Ireland. And it wasn't where he wanted to go. Uh, It wasn't the call he wanted to hear. uh, Because actually he'd escaped from Ireland. He'd been a slave in Ireland. And he'd managed to get away. And the last thing uh, that he wanted to hear was this voice calling to him uh, to go to Ireland, to bring good news to Ireland, uh, to say to Ireland, there is a God, there is a Christ who calls you to be his disciple. But at that point in his life, Patrick heard that call and he went back. And in many ways, his witness... His work uh, transformed a nation. So Isaiah is talking about a nation that had actually gone away from God in its spirit. Physically, at the beginning of Isaiah, the people were still in Jerusalem. But in their spirits, they had gone away from God. In the second part, in Isaiah 40, they were physically away from Jerusalem. But in their spirits, they were coming back to God. And Isaiah was saying to them, now you can listen to the message uh, that I want you to which is you are to take this word into your uh, life as a nation. And so for us, I don't know what that means for each of us. Uh, For somebody here, perhaps it means coming back to God, just like the prodigal who had wandered away from God. Perhaps it's not that we've wandered away from God, but we need to be renewed in the sense of who we are as Christian people and the calling that each of us has. And as a community, as Cottenham Baptist Church, to recognize that God has a particular place for each community of his people and for every person within that community. To hear what God is saying and to recognize that in this time when the wrong things sometimes seem to be so powerful and the right things seem to be so weak, it's possible for God to change things. And that's our prayer this morning as we look to Jesus and as we recognize God's love and his comfort for us.